this is Subjective Comedy Podcast with Corey Miller and Brad Scott because what do two guys with a failed podcast need? Another podcast no one will listen to. Maybe if my dad put this much time into his act, Bob and Tom would have had him on. Anyways, here's Subjective Comedy Podcast. Today on the show, we're going to talk my trip to Florida this past weekend. I'm going to announce where my uh, my next series of shows uh, will be in Indianapolis. Not my next shows, but uh, the you know the newest announced shows and a little bit of fantasy football. But we start off with uh, telling you who we are. My name is Brad Scott. I am a comedian based out of Indianapolis, Indiana. Travel mostly the Midwest and the East Coast. I am joined by my co-host and producer. He's an insurance office guy from right here in Indianapolis, Corey Miller. Hello. And this is the Subjective Comedy Podcast. Uh, so if you're a part of the Brad Scott Potomatic Cinematic Universe, meaning you listen to this show and either or both WrestleMania and the Showdown podcast, which is the other two podcasts I'm a part of. By the way, I always feel like such a fraud when I tell people I have them a part of three podcasts. Why? Because, I mean, it just makes it sound like it's fake. You know? Fake? Well, because, okay, first of all, every comedian has a podcast yeah. now. It's a cliche. And the I fact d- that I'm like, like, because people be like, oh, you have a podcast? I'm like, I have three. <laughs> yeah, I feel weird too. It's like, uh, oh yeah, I, yeah, I you know produce. You have co- four. Yeah, it's like I co I produce and, co- and uh, co host a podcast. Oh yeah, Wh- which one, what's the name of it? Well, I've got four really. Really, <laughs> then, uh, then you, you got to go through and explain. You're really liberal one. with that term "produce" too, aren't you? Well, somebody's <laughs> got to put this shit together. I mean, somebody's got to press record and then press so, post. Yeah, somebody's got to put it online. So, uh. Yeah, but I do, I do, and it takes a lot of work. People don't understand that. Like, they think you just start sitting down and talking. There's probably a lot of shows that are good enough to do that. We need prep. Like, yeah. We've got to figure out each episode what we're going to do, and especially with our movie one. I mean, we are dipping into sitcom cliche-style <laughs> episodes. I just recently did an episode of the Showdown podcast where I... Corey, I Corey is grabbing my phone off of a grandfather clock that for some reason I decided to hang on a wall. You know the grandfather clocks that are like eight foot tall and weigh five thousand pounds and sit on everyone's grandmother's you know floor. I had one hanging above my head for some reason. He <laughs> drops it on me and I get amnesia and I don't remember how to do. Th- I don't remember who I am on the show and like so. I mean, but still, that took a lot of thinking to yeah. like piece together and everything else. They, they take work. And people look at it as I was talking to Tony Foxworthy, who's an Indianapolis comedian, about this today, where like the hardest part of being in entertainment is when you don't have like a following or nobody's like looking at what you're doing and you're proud of it or you at least, you know, feel like it's good. Mm -hmm. It's one thing when you're kind of just throwing shit out there and you're kind of like, well, I'm kind of glad nobody saw that. But when you feel like you have confidence in something and you just can't get that reach for whatever reason, like that's a, that's a frustrating thing and it's hard to sometimes keep putting in the same level of effort that you would because people look at it as, well, I'm not getting paid for it. Mm-hmm. I've never looked at it that way. Like I don't ever take any project or anything that I'm involved in, I don't ever take it that lightly where the pay is my first thought. Like how much effort I'm going to put into this based on pay. 
I look at it as if we're going to put out a podcast that I'm going to be a part of, I, you know, I need to give it as much as I possibly can. Now, do I take time off? <laughs> of course. And some episodes get sloppy. Right. But for the most part, we put a lot of work into these. And so if you listen to any of those other shows, if you listen to WrestleMania in particular, there's a wrestling podcast Corey and I do that's not a wrestling podcast. It's a comedy podcast about wrestling. Uh, we asked a question and we said we would give our responses on this podcast because it's not wrestling related. And my question was, if you had the option of living to the age you are now plus five years, and uh, you have to, sorry, you have to do two lifetimes. The first is your age you are now plus five years, and that entire life is spent with nothing but happiness. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing life. The life of your dreams, the, the, the existence you can think of at the highest point is what that life is. And for you, you are 41. That would make you 46. Mm-hmm. But also, if you take that deal, you have to live a separate life and uh, it's just awful, and it's twice as long, so it would be ninety-two years. Mm-hmm. So the it's it, and you're aware of both lifetimes, by the way. Like when you're in one, you're aware of the other one. Mm-hmm. You just don't have access to it. Yeah, but you know it's there. Mm-hmm. So would you trade? Like you could live how you are now, or get this amount of time you've been on Earth plus five years of just pure bliss. And knowing that either, and you, you know, knowing that, that that by taking that pure bliss, you're also taking pure misery for double the time. Corey, the rassholes have been waiting. What is your answer? I think I'd go with this one. So you're not making changes? No. I thought about it. I thought about maybe. What's the if reason? I, if I did, I thought maybe if I did the other one, going the 96 years of misery and then doing the good, because then you're, you you know, it's like it's like something to look forward to. You have yeah. a dessert last. Yeah, but you know what? For all the ups and downs that I've had, I'm st- I'll still stick with this. The thing. only problem with that philosophy that you had though was that's a big pile of Brussels sprouts before you see the ice cream. <laughs> Ninety-two years. <laughs> yeah, I like I said, maybe maybe when you get to eighty, you're just dealing with it the best you can. Those last twelve. Well, yeah, I was gonna say, the, the but keep in mind, it's all misery. So there is no. I'm close. I'm just gonna be happy now. No, you're gonna be miserable yeah. while you're going through well, it until you're dead. I would think maybe like the last twelve, I would forget. Anyway. No, 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 no. I mean, because I'd get like uh, Alzheimer's or no, something. No, no, no. You can have Alzheimer's and still know you got a fucking other life to live. Well, which would be a good thing at that point. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like but if I went that route, that's the route I would go the ninety six and then the forty. I will say this: ninety two and the forty six. This is this is because I think this question's also kind of like a good insightful thing into someone. Like I think if people answer immediately, like "Yep," that's <laughs> like, someone that's not really happy with how things yeah. have gone. Uh, I think I agree with you. As bad as like what I've lived has been so far, I think I would still take it over having to deal with. Because I'm 36, that'd be 41, so that'd be 82 years of misery. I don't mm-hmm. think it'd be worth the trade. Yeah. So the person that like jumps on it, you have to start to wonder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to me, the order as well. Are you a dessert first, or are you a you know look forward to it? Right. And I'm a look forward to it person. Yeah. I much rather have the end of anything be the best part. Yeah. Because then at that why point, I'm waiting so long to be successful in stand up. Because <laughs> then at that point, it's like, all right, I'm I'm about to die here at 92. So, but. I still got forty two. I got forty six years. And to by the way, it's one hookers and blow for the entire time. I know I'm. I know I'm is, living until forty six. It is one so. of the most beautiful and sad things in the world that 
uh, it's one of the most beautiful things that you're like, no, you know what? The life I've lived so far is, you know, this this is happiness enough. Mm-hmm. And it's also very sad. Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> I'm looking at you. Oh, yeah. Ah, I'm just <laughs> I love them, folks. I love them. Uh, okay, so that's the that was to that was to address the rassholes who were curious. Now they can turn it off. Yep. Feel free to go away if you want, or stick around. <laughs> Maybe you like this show too. So, all right, Corey. I've said now publicly for the past couple months. But before then, I was saying it privately to you and our other co-host, Vic, and Arrows. It's my favorite comedy week of the year, the past three years. I get to make one trip to Port Charlotte, Florida, mm-hmm. the oldest county by median age, median age in America. You're like, oh, what's the king of bunks out looking for? Like shuffleboard or something? Nope. The Sonny Comedy Club. It's, a, it's the castle on King's Highway. I've Third year there, mm-hmm. first time that I put two and two together that it's a castle because it's on a stretch of highway called king's highway mm. so uh <laughs> you're pretty quick i mean dad three years dude and I've, i i used a picture this year and i think the first time i created the 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 promo thing i included the address so yeah. i put king's highway on a castle <laughs> and still didn't think they're like that's why i was like oh must have just been like a like a medieval times at one point and they turned into this italian Dinner theater because that's what it is. It's an, it's a dinner theater. Okay, it's not like a n- normal comedy club because they have some of the best time food you'll ever have in your entire life. It's all made from scratch in house, and it is amazing. The uh, owner, uh, I believe, is uh, pretty Italian, like Andreas. That's a pretty Italian last name, right? Sounds like it. Uh, and I say it's my favorite week of the year because one, like the shows, honestly, are mediocre for me at best because it's old people. Yeah. For the most part, yeah, they. I always do really. Like, the young people will find me after that's what the I was show. Gonna, I mean, that's what I was going to ask you in in terms of uh, doing shows there. You know how the crowd is compared. Oh, to I mean, it's here's like so. The last couple of years, I've always done fine though because I'll just I won't do my normal opener about you know women going out and drinking and stuff. I go right into the single dad stuff, uh-huh. and they usually really like that. No breaking and I do your face. Cle- oh no, I still do that. Oh, you still do that one. That's an adorable joke at the heart of it. Well, yeah, but they might not get the whole brick in your face thing. I explain it pretty well. Uh, okay. Uh but I I I don't do uh like I I did one time this week, maybe twice, and it actually worked. Uh I told that story about the rock bottom thing. Mhm. Figured out how to clean that up for a show. Okay. I don't mention that he fucks him in the ass. I just say you know, saw her on a website called YouPorn on a show called The Backroom Casting Couch. And as soon as that video went split screen, I knew I realized then I was no longer her rock bottom. That's mm-hmm. worked just as well. And I think that's why I'm going to do it from here on out, because why dirty it up if you don't have to, right? Right. So anyways, I do a cleaner set there. Uh, I don't say fuck. Usually there's a late show Saturday, and that's where you get to go crazy. And that's a younger crowd. Mm-hmm. And that's where, like, that's where I made my name the first two years. Okay. Like, they kind of looked at me like, yeah, he's all right. Because, you know, I'm just I'm doing okay in front of older people yeah. who aren't getting some of my references and yeah, everything. Okay. But then those Saturday night shows, I'd fucking, you know, those are always the busiest ones, too. And I just blow the roof off the place because people that actually got what the fuck I was talking about. Right. And so that's where they like they they, they love me. They're, they're, that's a club I can safely say, like, they love me. Like, stand up live, I think, I don't know. I kind of felt like because I was coming off such a bad place in my life with just the whole, you know, uh, 
situations I was dealing with in my personal life that mm-hmm. like I felt like I wasn't truly the best representation of myself at times. Like I was I was worn out mentally, physically, I was tired and I was hosting. So I felt like I was having to prove myself every so there was a lot of pressure on me. I I can't safely say like they love me there. Mm-hmm. They seem to like me. They seem to, you know, want me to come back, all that stuff. Vasani, they love me there. Those guys like they remember me every time. Like Nick, the bartender, Joey, the bartender, uh, Drew, who's basically the manager and an amazingly smart human being. Uh, he's one of those guys that, like I told you, Crackers Comedy Club here in Indianapolis had Chris Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, clubs have this guy who's just the guy who gets it and thinks forward. And that's Drew here. And then Eric is smart enough to be the guy that trusts him and creates an atmosphere for his staff where they love working there. I mean, the dudes that are coming out and, uh, you know, like they don't have someone that does literally this, but like the t- people that will bus tables love comedy mm-hmm. and love working there and love Eric, the owner. Uh, he likes me well enough that he allows me to live out my dream, which is to do sports radio. Mm-hmm. I get to do that for an hour once a year mm-hmm. uh, in Tampa, you know, on a Tampa Bay radio station, NBC right. Sports uh, with Larry Temko and Bill Siebert. Love those guys. It is my favorite week. It is just a week of happiness. I'm a, I feel appreciated. Everything's taken care of for me. They put me up in a nice hotel. They All the meals are comped. I don't drink, but if I did, it would be comped. Uh, they go out of their way if I need anything. Like It's what I've always said. If you run a comedy club that way, you will be successful. Mm-hmm. Because comics will talk, and the best comics will want to come work for you. Right. And they literally do it. This is not me gassing them up. It is my favorite club in the country. I can say that now that I no longer am a part of the club that I started at. Right. So they are my favorite club in the country. Close second, Looney Bin OKC. Stand up live, even though I did one MC week, man. It's fucking they they know it. <laughs> they got it too. They know what they're doing. Uh so yeah, that was uh it was a fun week. Long drive. Stopped in Alabama. Went and saw my friend Ryan Neemiller and as we mentioned earlier, Tony Foxworthy. They had a show in Huntsville. I thought they were at stand up live, which is like the initial reason I was like because a friend of mine's like, hey, Tony's crashing in my place. Do you want to come crash too? Uh, and I was like, oh, I'm going to Florida. I was like, oh, they're going to be a stand-up live. So I'll just have to be there to see friends. Right. Happen to be like, hey, Christian, we're going to get these dates locked in. But they weren't. They were doing a, They were doing like an independent show. Okay. Which was really cool. It was a really cool show. They did a show. They did an open mic afterwards, which I don't care for. After? I'm not a fan of that system. Yeah, okay, yeah. One-liners tried this for a brief period of time. Because they never had an open mic, so they tried doing one after like the Wednesday or Thursday show. Mm-hmm. Here's why I don't like that f- system. I don't think it's fair to the open micers. I think if you want to do a show before a regular show, push the regular show back to 8.30, do an open mic at 7, a shorter one, like an hour one. Yeah. I'd be okay with that. But you're asking people who are at an open mic level to now go on and put on a show for the remains of people that stick around who mm-hmm. just watched... 90 minutes of professional comedy. Right. And if you're booking your room right, that's a hard act to follow for someone who who's an open mic level. Right. So unless you just have really strong locals who come and do this open mic to work out stuff, it's hard to keep the few people that are going to stay anyways. Because imagine sitting through a 90-minute comedy show, and now they go, oh, by the way, if you guys want to stay here, we're not going to charge you anything, but we're going to come up here and do another hour and a half or whatever. Yeah. You know. And sometimes I've seen shows where it's like they have a 90-minute regular show and an open mic with like 18 comics doing five minutes apiece. Yeah. It's another 90-minute show. Honestly, for me, I'd be like, I don't know. I've been here for an hour and a half. Yeah. 
you and and most people will do the thing where they'll politely stick around because you some clubs are like smart about it they'll rush that mc back up there and he's almost like he catches them in it like Hey guys, by the way, we're starting an open mic right now. Here's your first comic. <laughs> and that guy's like trying to come up and so people will kind of sit there through a comic or two. But then the first person that struggles, man, fucks it up for everybody after that. Cause right. half half the people that set that actually stayed will probably get up and leave. Right. And it gets it gets sad. Mm-hmm. And uh like the people I was with talked me into doing that open mic after the show mm-hmm. because, you know, they're like like the friend that I was that you know Tony and I were crashing with. It's like, well, I haven't seen you perform in so long, blah blah blah. It's like it's not gonna be good, <laughs> but I did, and uh, it wasn't. I mean, it was not like I think uh, she she had a couple of friends that live in Huntsville there too that came out, and there's a few other people I think that were with them that came out or whatever. So I had a small group that's paid attention, but for the most part, there's like twelve other people there, and nobody's really listening, and it's you know. Like, I did my best to try to do the set that, you know, right. wows everybody because I commanded the room and everything else. And, I mean, yeah, it was good enough that the comics were like, oh, okay, he knows what he's doing, but nothing spectacular. Mm-hmm. And it's because, again, I don't like that format. You can't expect professional a professional show to be followed by amateurs and for it to sell as well. Right. But I also, I think the best formula is, honestly, if you're trying to incorporate an open mic with a paid, you know, with paid comics for a show is shorter open mic, save about 45 minutes so basically you do a half half open mic and then 45 minutes the feature for the week will do 15 the headliner do 30 okay and it's like a preview as well mm-hmm. for the weekend and that's how the looney bins do it so okay. like when i go there in a couple of weeks that wednesday it's not like a regular feature set i'll do 15 minutes and i'll still be able to sell shirts yeah because i am that guy oh you're that guy i'm paid for the week baby and i'm the feature <laughs> i don't sell when i host all right so vasani Go check them out. And if you are in the Port Charlotte, Tampa area, go. You will not regret it. Chicken parm is fire. Uh, the bacon-wrapped gazola. Uh, steak wrapped in bacon with this gazola sauce and mushrooms. And stuff. Everything there is delicious. Mm. And I'm a little bit of a picky eater, and I can just eat everything there. Like I've yet to have anything where I want to hear something really dumb I did. Okay. So they have, with, sure with the choice. steak, it's like it comes with... Mashed potatoes and vegetable du jour. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. You know what that means? Just a bunch of stuff. Like a bunch of vegetables? Yeah. You're as dumb as I am, dude. I thought that same thing, and I was just like, uh, uh, yeah, just the mashed potatoes, just, you know, hold the vegetable du jour. It wasn't until later on that I kept thinking, like, because I saw somebody else have this plate get carried out with asparagus. I know they don't keep a whole lot of vegetables because all their ingredients are 100% fresh. So they're like week to week, they're deciding on what they're going to get for that, you know, based on what they can get a good price on and everything else. Mm-hmm. So it's all fresh. And I was like, it's just asparagus. And that looks kind of like the same thing I got. And then I remembered Dumb and Dumber. And this is when I felt really dumb. You think de jure means medley. I guess so, yeah. I was thinking, like... Do you, do you not see Dumb and Dumber? No, it's been a while, but... What is the soup du jour? Oh, yeah, okay, that part. It's but, it's what, Corey? Well, I'm I'm. Thinking Hold on, what's the soup du jour? It's the what? Say the t- line from the movie. I don't remember the line from the movie. He goes, what's the soup du jour? And she goes, it's the soup of the day. And he goes, mmm, that sounds good, I'll have that. Okay, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, now. we literally did the exact same thing, Corey. Yeah. We passed on a vegetable, we didn't know what it was. <laughs> because we thought medley. You imagine this, like, those little Carrots. orange 
carrot, no, but not even carrots, just the little orange carrot squares mm-hmm. that just look disgusting and mash as soon as you, like, you know, uh, breathe on them. Yeah. And, like, peas. And cauliflower. Brown peas. Yeah. Some broccoli. No. It's fucking asparagus because that was the vegetable of the day. <laughs> and I only told one person. Because <laughs> the next night I got it with asparagus. <laughs> and I was, like, flaunting it around. Like, yeah, I'm going to have that vegetable of the day, by the way. Yeah. So, yeah. And did, did they bring out a different vegetable this time? By the way, if you've listened to this show for a while or our other shows, it's another way Corey is so Stugatz because he, <laughs> I was literally trying to tell him a story about how dumb I am, and he made the exact same mistake in the story. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. <coughs> and there, there he, that if this was a Levitar show, that would be a fine. Okay, so Florida, amazing. Vasani, Port Charlotte, very cool area. That if I ever move, which I'd like to at some point, and this would be beneficial on more than one reason, but I think Florida's where I'm going. South Florida, man. I guess we'll Skype. Why? Uh, or the, can- the shows will be canceled. Okay, one let me days. ask you this. Why do people in Indiana feel there's this sense of superiority over Florida? Is it because, like, the... They do? The, dude, when I have told people that, like, when they say, like, where would you want to live, blah, 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 and I've said, like, Miami, they're like, ugh, why? Well, Miami's not... I mean, I think in, in terms of... For Miami, though, I think there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of negativity towards, you know, what, what, they've, what they've seen, like, in the press. For in, what? in terms of, uh, you know, crime. You realize Indianapolis has a higher crime rate than Miami. I'm not saying that, but I'm... But it does. I, I'm I, saying that. I, it's I, a fact. Okay. But what I'm saying, that's that's the first thing that comes to their mind when they... When they but why wouldn't they... But, but, they're, but they're thinking that. So they're turning their nose down at that, but they're living in a place with a higher crime rate. It's, hip, it's hypocritical. Probably, yeah. It's we we can well, admit not, what it really is. Well, jealousy. Well, yeah, maybe so. Dude, no one wants to live in Indiana. I mean, there's a few people, obviously. Everybody has. You know, there's outliers to every rule. Some but of us don't have a choice. When exactly, dude? I that's my point exactly. When you talk to most people about their future plans, like that are living in Indiana, don't be surprised if it almost sounds like they're plotting an escape from prison because it's like when I get out. Mm-hmm. Or like they're waiting on per- parole to get you know to start their life. I've wanted. I w- I remember when I was a kid, I wanted to live in Miami, dude. Like, so the connotation comes with high crime, and then people will go, "Well, well the drugs, okay? Well, that's cocaine. We have opioid epidemic here, right. where people are just passing out at the at the steering wheel of their car at a stoplight from overdosing." Right. There's like that's the thing. This is just they're the same places. They're just. One's at a beach with a beautiful view, and the majority of people that live there all seem sincerely happy. The other is just cold sometimes and then too hot and then hates the world because secretly they hate where they are and, you know, is miserable. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I've noticed. Because people have looked at me like I was crazy for saying I would want to live in Florida, and I'm like, why wouldn't I? No state tax per, you know... for the most part, from what I've gathered, pretty progressive way. And everyone in Florida, like, so when I'm at Vasani, this happens, this happened all three years, and anytime I've actually done a show in Florida, when I talk to, like, the people that live there afterwards, especially people that have moved from the Midwest, and I'm like, you know, uh, yeah, I'd love to move here. They're like, best decision I ever made. People are just happy there. I think weed's legal there now, too, isn't it? 
medicinal, but, but hell, there's some restrictions, sure it's, but it's but I'm it's sure honestly going to be card. overturned. I'm sure it's easy to get a Well, yeah, but anyway. there's still restrictions on smoking anyways. It's certain types of medicinal. Certain types of medicinal? Like, I think CBD oils and stuff like that. Oh. I don't know exactly. So I don't want to get into this discussion uh, yeah. because I don't I don't know exactly. I know I know there are some restrictions now, but I believe those are in the works of being removed as well at some point too. Okay. It is a very liberal like way of thinking from what I've gathered from the people I've talked to there. Right. Like from the club and people that live there. But it's it's always this bitterness from people in the Midwest of it's you know, same reason they think, you know, New York and LA are awful places to live. Yeah. Really? Indianapolis, you're going to judge those cities? You know, like, because if we're going to talk about cities that can look down, there's a lot of places that can look down on Indianapolis, and I'm not speaking geographically. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think you're right. I never really thought about it. I mean, think about it. You're, you find the idea of, like, moving somewhere else like that inconceivable just because for what you've been told your whole life by your parents and everything else, your life is here. Like, right. this is where you are. Mm. You're rooted here. I'm not. <laughs> like there's going to be a some a certain point in time in my life where I can I, I, I a decision is going to have to be made and I can see myself leaving and being like you know what I got to fucking get out of here and just see how it goes I can always come back right but I've been telling you for years I've, to go to New York I think I would be more of an LA person you think again so? I th- I think I'm a beach person I'm happier in sunshine I don't like winters. I mean, I was born in Honolulu, and I know I'm not, like, technically Hawaiian, but I feel like just being born there, starting life there, has given me some sort of, like... Credit? No, just... <laughs> credit? credit. No, to- just, like, preference Okay. to, a, like, a beach surroundings. I don't know. I feel like because I was born somewhere tropical, I would I, did, I need to be somewhere tropical to be in my natural habitat. Right. Where were you born? Here. That's why you need to be miserable. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I am miserable. I, here's the thing, and I don't have anything against Indiana. I just don't think I fit here. Like yeah. I don't think it fits me or my personality. I'm usually on the opposite. No, I get that way of thinking with everyone I meet. Yeah, uh, in Indiana for the most part, who are like Indiana people, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying it's a certain type of person, right? Who would want to live Midwest and like it's just a different type of person than who wants to live on a beach. It's kind of the same idea of like if you're in a small town and you, you know, you're getting ready to graduate from high school, and it's like. I want to go, you know, to be an actor, to be, you know, if, you know, say you wanted to be an actor, it's like, I got to get out of this town. I got to go someplace else. It's kind of like, it's kind of well, like and that I want to raise, like, I'd love to raise Harper in a, in a big metropolitan city. I'd lo- much rather get her accustomed to like that kind of life because mm-hmm. I feel like you just, you learn more about life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, again, it's more of a natural fit for me and maybe it won't be for her. Um, but. I feel like if and then you she go can come because back I, here. well no because I also feel like if you if you grow up in the small town then you consider the big scary move to be you know going to Evansville or Indianapolis right and you get stuck there because this is big because Indianapolis is a big city it's not, it's not a big market you know yeah. and I feel like that confuses people at the time I feel like a lot of people get complacent and stuck in Indianapolis mm-hmm. because it looks like it's this big market in this big city and it has this big city feel, but it's really not in the grand scheme of things. Right. Like when you see the real big cities. Yeah. Um, like that fucking entire city shuts down at three 30 in the morning. Right. Like there's nothing going on. Like there's hardly even people out. Mm-hmm. Whereas like uh, even a big city where the businesses might be closed, it's fucking still bustling. Right. So, uh, moving on. Uh, I had a great week in Florida. Want to live there someday. Okay. Uh, the next thing was, you. you don't even know this. Nope. 
uh, I had a meeting earlier today, and the meeting was basically it was it was me being told I was gonna you know uh, that I was that I some that a, a place wanted to book me, and for obvious reasons, some of which we talked about on this show, I was hesitant, and I'll be damned if I didn't walk out of there with a handshake agreement on my next or on the next shows I'm going to announce for Indianapolis. Okay. If I could give you one guess mm-hmm. to where Brad Scott is going to be in either October, November, I think are the the dates they're supposed to get back to me on, which where do you think it would be with what the setup I just gave you? Jokers. Damn, I thought you were going to go Crackers. I was even trying to even steer it a little bit that <laughs> way. Nah, it is Jokers. Oh, really? Yeah. I I I I was gonna say Marat, but so, I figured that was the answer, so I was staying. No, 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 no. I wouldn't be. <laughs> there, I wouldn't be hesitant about doing a show with the Marat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chappelle wants me to open for him. Let me think about it. It's, Let me get back to him. I need to. I need to check to see which week I'm at the Tulsa Looney Bin. <laughs> no, it is Jokers. So, if you follow this show, I fucked that joke up. If you, it's fine. It wasn't much of a joke to begin with. Okay. If you. And that's on me, not you. If, if you've listened to this show, you know that I had a brief affair with Jokers. Uh, had a wild time with my club, Harper's. Uh, it was just, I mean, that, I tell you what, man, that was a wild ride. So, you know, from, from 2018 to 2018. So we played around with it, and unfortunately some things fell, some things fell apart, and uh, things didn't go the way I, you know, I thought they were going to, and so we parted ways. And I just decided I was going to focus on just being a comedian and I wasn't, you know, and I didn't have an interest in working there because I was like, well, if I'm not going to be the guy that goes from, yeah, I'm going to be running this whole thing to uh, I'm going to feature. So one, uh, my I had a couple of terms. One was I wasn't going to feature or host ever. If they wanted to book me, they book me as a headliner. Mm -hmm. I get to bring my own feature and host every time I get to decide who gets those paychecks mm-hmm. and i get a budget that i divvy up i mean it's their budget or whatever but it's i divvy up the budget amongst the comics how i want okay um because a lot of times i feel like there's it's top heavy like the headline i'm like you're getting paid a lot yeah. for 15 extra minutes buddy mm-hmm. so i wanted to be a little bit of a semblance there but here's the thing the reason i even walked in there today for this meeting is because basically the person they ended up finding to do like you know the booking and running it is a guy named Isaac Daniels. I've known him at least I want to say fifteen years, maybe a little less, maybe like twelve or thirteen years. Okay, since before Harper was born. Okay, when I was just a twenty, you know, early twenty-something drunk idiot. Who's, who happened to be good enough on stage to get work and people to, to give him free drinks. Mm-hmm. And that dude's a hell of a promoter. He's smart. He's good at marketing. He understands, and he's a hard worker. He's business. Okay. Which is why we got along so well working together. Even though he, Because he knew even though I was fucking, you know, kind of a mess with the drinking and everything, like, and I was a little bit of a partier, he knew when it came... You know, like they used to say, when that red light turns on, I was good. So we've always had a great relationship, and he's tr- very tr- He's a very trustworthy person. Um, like he's honest. 
Right. He's a straight shooter. He's oh. not going to bullshit you. Gotcha. Um, he he assumes say something uncomfortable, then, you know, then lie. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. I'm the same way. He's the reason. I'm excited to work with him. Because Isaac, I feel like, okay, they're in good hands. Like, if there was going to be another person that could have done... I still think I had a bigger network of comics. But I feel like he's at least... And we talked about me implementing some of the philosophies I'd have. You know? Yeah. Giving him some of those ideas. Yeah, I ain't going to give him all of it. <laughs> Daddy's still looking for a space. But for now, I looked at it this way. You know I've been reading a book called Crucial Conversations. Sure. I thought I told you about this. No. It's a book uh, recommended to me by uh, Josh Springer from the guy that sponsors our Skype line. Oh, Bottoms Up, Draft Beer, Warp Speed. Very good. Uh, and it basically it's how to be a more effective communicator, which obviously I need a lot of help on. Yeah. And it talks about like when in situations where your emotions get high or the stakes are high with what you're talking about, you know, uh, whether it's money, a relationship, whatever, most of the time we react with adrenaline, which then either causes fight or flight, which usually ends up making things worse. This is about learning how to anticipate, be aware that the conversations are taking that turn and remaining calm, collected, thinking about the primary goal. Like the best example they have, I think, is these family gets back from a to a hotel from Disney. They've been there all day. The two daughters have to go to the bathroom. They're fighting over who goes first. The dad says, well, you guys sit in there and figure it out. And it takes them 25 minutes. And finally, they go to the bathroom. And the dad asks them, you know, why it took so long. And they just start blaming each other for, she's always this and bullying me. And she always has to give her away, blah, blah, blah. When in reality, like, if they just would have kept in mind that the, the, the goal is use the bathroom, in about five minutes, it all would have been handled. Right. Instead, the arguing, which was not the point of the conversation, made it go on for 25 minutes for no reason. And so meanwhile, the dad has already gone to the bathroom twice. <laughs> oh, yeah, this isn't WrestleMania. I was going to make a Randy Orton joke, but that wouldn't be good here. <laughs> but uh, I was going to say he pulls out his dick and then shake my hand, girls. No, that would have been real weird. So um, anyways, so it's that's what it's about, basically, is when, when people... Because a lot of people will conversate and debate with emotion, and that's when adrenaline kicks in. You're not yourself. You don't react the way you normally would. You say things you later regret, right? Right. So this book's all about learning to teach you control that and become a more effective communicator so that you can get the goal of the conversation accomplished as opposed to winning the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I thought the goal of the conversation I had with Isaac was I want to hear him out, what he has to say. I want to hear what he's you know proposing for us working together and at the end of the day if possible i want there to be a good place in indianapolis for people to go watch and for comedians to perform at a place that treats them good and treats them fair and everything else mm-hmm. and if this is a way i can help that until again i can find somebody with enough money and belief in what me and my little team i've assembled have you know planned until that day comes then maybe i need to do this and I, I'm guessing they haven't heard, like, the last few episodes of this show. <laughs> I, I haven't said anything that wasn't true. And <laughs> maybe I should have a crucial conversation some of these episodes. <laughs> yeah, but, but no, but honestly, Isaac, I think, would be understanding. 
Again, because the reasons I did things were reasons. Right. I wasn't doing anything out of spite or to be vindictive. It was it was just, you know, and again, maybe I should have handled a little more positively. I've been working on just being all positive, but I'm still learning, so I'm not all the way done with the book yet. <laughs> I'm still on chapter two. No, I'm pretty far ahead. For me, I'm, I'm this is amazing, but it's a very interesting book. You should read it. I can't recommend it enough. Crucial Conversations. But I'm still getting better, and it's something you have to, like, be conscious of. I'm just trying to picture you that, sitting on the couch reading a book. Well, it's on my phone, first uh, of all, Grandpa. <laughs> I don't have to, and no, I don't. It's, it, when I say it's on my phone, I don't have to first put in my AOL disc, use up my hours, and then connect my phone via the modem. There it is. So, anyways, um, yeah, it's been a good. It's it's a, it's it's one of those things you have to be conscious of it all the time because, like, when conversations take that turn and you react that way like you don't you're not aware you're doing it at the time the adrenaline takes over right so it's a it's a it's a hard thing to like master i'm just trying to get better okay and i think like i said if i can make a good if i can help create a good place for comedy in indianapolis i think as much as we've shit on the city this whole episode it deserves it Mm -hmm. i still love the people of indianapolis so i want them to have a good place to go see comedy so that's my goal all right. So I don't have the dates confirmed yet. I'm getting a contract. And when I have the contract signed, I will announce the dates. But I will, as of right now, it, I am scheduled to be at Joker's before the end of 2018 for a headlining set on a Friday and a Saturday. You'll have two chances. Nice. And we'll be, I'm sure, promoting the hell out of it once we confirm. And I'll be sure not to go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now let's dabble in fantasy football. All right. I have no idea where you're going with this, but okay, let's, I thought you let's wanted to tell me about your team. Oh, no. You wanted to talk about the trade that I was making. Oh, how dumb it is? Yeah. Tell them your dumb trade. Okay. So, we're in a fan. It's. I, th- this is so weird to talk about because you know people don't want to hear other people's fantasy football stories or their or their leagues or well, anything. Then don't tell them a story. Just tell them the dumb trade. Okay. The, the, the offer was made to me in a keeper league. Uh, they were going to send me Dak Prescott, and I was going to send them Kenny Stills of the Dolphins. I've got nine receivers on my team, and he, Stills, is not a starter. He's sitting on my bench. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. But not thinking about how I already have Blake Bortles and Deshaun Watson as my starter, and I also have uh, Jacoby Brissett. And the fact that Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck should be healthy this year means there's now two more quarterbacks that should be available. You know what I mean? Well, it's like a keeper quarterback- league. It's a keeper league, so they're already t- they're they're you know those still though the quarterbacks you have. Mm-hmm. If you lose, because first of all, I don't know why you're so un- or why you're so concerned with Blake Bortles. The dude's a good fantasy QB. Mm-hmm. Like. He'll have games where he doesn't do well, but he'll have games where he has 300-something yards and four touchdowns. Like, he's always, I think, been a top top half of the league fantasy QB. Yeah, he's been so-so. I mean, especially last year. The the I think uh, the, the season before. I think last year was the second year. Okay, not to mention, and especially a keeper league, you might think about, uh, I'm sure he actually probably got drafted, but I was going to say the kid from Cleveland, Baker Mayfield. He's already gone. Um. Still, I would have never have traded a receiver for QB when I already have three on my roster. Well, and you could have drafted one too. 
There's there's a few that are available, but I mean is, nothing. Uh, Philip Rivers available? I don't think so. How many teams? Because I've got I've got Jacoby Brissett, so I'm sure he's not. I, I mean, I'm not looking the at the I'm not looking at the league. Uh, Twelve, I think. Okay, but still, you're three deep. Yeah. You really only need two QBs on his. No, roster. that's true. That's true. I'm, I'm probably I'm going to try and trade uh, Prescott and try and get a running back. Because yeah, like, running dude, back, I, is, running back is probably in, in both of my keeper leagues. That's my weakest. Part. I don't. I usually don't draft a quarterback until round seven, unless I'm in a league where people are just drafting way too early. I generally don't because there's so many. That's that position is so stat stuffing. Mm-hmm. It's usually not a game breaker unless unless but, you have the opportunity to get Luck, Rogers, or maybe Brady or Breeze. Or Breeze. My thing. Then, then you hold off. Well, my thing is, my thing is, you, you're probably going to be able to find five QBs on the waiver wire halfway through the season that can give you the production similar to Dax. You know, right. But if, even if Dax turns out to be good, you can still probably find a couple QBs in that realm. If. Kenny Stills turns out to be good, you're not going to find another wide receiver like that. Like, it's so much harder to get receivers than it is QBs in fantasy football. I, like, the I'm ceiling is you, a lot higher for Kenny Stills than it is for Dak Prescott. The I'm floor t- might be higher for Prescott, but you don't need that when you have Deshaun Watson and Blake Bortles. According to uh, – here, here is the top quarterback available right now. Okay. Ryan Tannehill. I would take him over Dak Prescott. In a heartbeat. And then you got Fitzpatrick, McCown, Bradford, McCarron, uh, Rudolph for Pittsburgh, whoever the hell that is. Webb for the Giants. It it gets there's okay, but you also there. do realize QBs are going to get injured, so backups are going to become starters. Yeah, but there's there's a lot of backups here, and I you mean, already have Deshaun Watson. Well, I'm gonna like I said, I'm gonna try and trade Prescott and try and get a running no, back. My current running back. You need to do that before the season. I'm, I'm telling I'm you, I'm going to. My current running backs are Deion Lewis, who's now with the t- Titans, Marlon Mack, and let's see who's on my bench. TJ Yeldon for Jacksonville. I don't even know if he's still there. And Adrian Peterson. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's why if I take one of these quarterbacks and try and trade them, I can possibly. Who did you draft in the first round this year? Well, see, the thing is the draft is always free agents and rookies. I know, so, but I'm saying, who did you draft in the first round? In the first, in the first round, I did not have a first round pick. I had a second round pick because I traded my first round pick away. To who? For who? Uh, I believe that's when I got Bortles, and <laughs> uh, so in the second round with the twelfth, I think it was a twelfth pick or something like that, or sixteenth. I got uh, what's this dude's name? Quincy uh, Inunwa. Can I be a secret co GM? No, you cannot. I because I've so you have in essence traded uh, a potential like you know because receive like I said receive it's so much harder to find a receiver that hits than it is a QB so you traded um, a potential receiver who could be a a top ten receiver by the end of the year that's the ceiling okay I'm not saying he will okay I'm saying that's the ceiling Devontae Parker's no- notoriously injured is he not. Mm, I think he played all of last year. He may have gotten hurt the year before. Okay. Still, high risk of injury at that position. Stills could start, you know, 
for the Dodgers. He's, is he there too? Um, he might be there one now. Uh, so because, a number one wide receiver, he, technically his ceiling is top five. If Tannehill looks good and gets a chemistry with him, whatever, that ceiling is a top five receiver. And you traded that for and, a QB who I think ceiling is top 15 maybe. It says he'll be their top downfield weapon, but currently he has an ankle injury. So mm, Yeah, there's also three weeks of the preseason left. Yeah, I know. Also, you traded a first-round pick that could have been Saquon Barkley. No, it wouldn't have been. Barkley went number one. But what would you have picked if you'd have picked? Like uh, six, I think. Would have had a possibility for Baker Mayfield. Uh, would have had a possibility... For a number of others here, but you said, nah, first-round pick. Give me the guy that everybody is surprised his team wins in spite of. The thing is, I... But he is a good fantasy QB. I I knew having that first-round pick that I wasn't going to be able to get a running back out of that. So I was like, I was fine with trading it. And if I can... Well, but his receiver. You could have gotten a better receiver than Stills at that pick. Let me see. Let me... All right, here we go. Barkley went second because the guy that had first pick lost lost out in this time. Then uh, Penny, who is the running back in Seattle, I believe. Freeman, who is the running back in Denver. Johnson is in Detroit. And then it was my pick, I think, with a six. And that with Sutton, I don't know who that is. I'd have to look to see who would have been available and all that stuff. So let's not worry Chubb about that. Chubb would have been available. Either way, I don't know. Let's, let's not let's let's not get we're getting too deep into it now. Yes. It's your fault. Uh I go I go I go running backs first four rounds unless they get depleted. It's what I did with the league last year and I ended up with Kareem Hunt, uh Leonard Fournette. Uh I had two other other like guys that were this like I had I had Did you have shitty receivers though? No. I stacked last year. They, the, Did the, you make it to the playoffs? There's only like two other people that were even able. I could tell that we're even keeping up with like paying attention enough to to really do shit. Did you make it to your playoffs? I won. Oh. I free entry this year. Uh, and I, I don't know. I was a few hundred bucks. But uh, and then the Sarge Approved League. I'm starting up again. The Kings of Bong style. Yeah, I didn't get my invitation either this year. Yeah, there's a reason. Yeah. So they don't want to lose. Well, we're going to close out this episode. This could become a, the this could become the new way we close out the show. I thought it was just an idea since this is a comedy podcast, which, by the way, we're excited about some changes that may happen around here as well. We may have more. Uh, we may have more uh, more of a, a roundtable of guests talking comedy with me if we're lucky on the show. <laughs> if I if I don't burn all my bridges. Right. So what we're, we're going to do for now, at least uh, for the next few episodes, at least I think to give it a chance is Corey's going to ask me a question about comedy. And maybe if you'd like to help Corey out with this segment in the future and you have a question, feel free to send it uh, to uh, Subject Comedy. Just tweet at us, at Subject Comedy. Yeah, Subject Comedy is our social media everywhere. Yeah. Uh, or you can uh, email us at the not updated uh, gmail.com. <laughs> But Corey's going to ask me a question about comedy. I'm going to do my best to answer it and give as much insight as I can. So, Corey, what is uh, let's, Corey's question? Okay. CQ. Now, keep in mind, I was just informed about this segment uh, right before we started recording. So, And keep in mind, he's he did start talking to the fantasy football segment, so he had a good 20, 30 minutes to, uh, <laughs> to think of something. So, with 
a lot of non-comedians that are that are trying their hand at comedy. Novelty acts. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that, especially if they're already established in another medium and they want to do this? Do you think it devalues what you do as a full-time comedian? Do you think it helps it? Uh, do you dislike it? What What are your thoughts on it? Uh, mixed. I, to me, it depends on the scenario. I'm not a fan when someone like that goes to a club and basically puts the club in a position where they have to reschedule or boot the comedian that's supposed to be working there. Mm-hmm. Because to me, the comedian that's supposed to be working there has, you know, paid his dues in this business. Right. And probably needs that week financially more than the person bumping it. Mm-hmm. What if what if they're already had it booked? I have no issue with that. It's the club's decision who they want to book. Look, look, I don't take comedy that seriously to where I feel like there's certain rules to the craft. Mm-hmm. It's all dumb. As long as you're original. That's my only thing. I'm not a fan. Like, like if, if somebody is going to put the level and care or whatever to putting on a good show, by all means. Because here's the thing. The ones that don't put in that effort usually don't last anyways. Right. Uh, I don't think Dutch Mantel is still doing a, a comedy <laughs> show. But uh, Mick Foley still does because he put enough effort into it mm-hmm. and also won't refer to himself as a comedian, which I really respected. I wouldn't have cared. Again, I'm not one of those people that gets hung up on that, the sacredy of stuff. Right. Um, I th- I know, it only I know bothers you, me when it affects guys who are doing this full-time f- to make their living. Okay. Um, I don't have an issue... With the people that are doing it as a cash grab, it annoys me a little bit just because I'm like, man, I can't believe they're able to make the money they make and, and you know, book shows the way they are and get people to come see them put on this awful show. Right. And they're just trying to get their hands in their pockets when I know I would put on a hell of a lot better show had, had people just gone, I don't care who the fuck it is, I just want to see a show. Right. Because I know... Another example is a couple of guys from uh, from Broken Lizard, the Super Troopers movies. They do stand up, but too. they're all well. They're all at least in comedy too, right? You know what I mean? It's not like when Dutch Mantel right. comes over from wrestling to do it and doesn't put any effort into it. Mm-hmm. And you know, like Chris Killian tried his best, but that wasn't going to work. Uh, and he did, you know, like because a lot of people, a lot of them, what they'll do. Ron Jeremy was doing this. Just it's street jokes. Oh god. It's street jokes. It's internet jokes. Oh god. Don't and, even, I wish you hadn't brought that up. Well no, but I'm saying but that's what you're talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, I know. You kind of brought it up. Yeah. No, uh, I meant him. But I mean but that's but that's a person that wasn't taking it serious at all. Right. And I don't think the Ron Jeremy Ron Jeremy's not going to be a comedy legend. No. And I saw him being defended by one of the promoters. Good for them. They have to do that. That's their job. Mm-hmm. They book the shows. And here's the thing. He's more successful than I am at stand-up as far as he can draw more people to a place than I can, you know, if we if we had both had vanilla marketing. Right. Now, if I got to market myself the way I think I should be marketed, I feel like I could outdraw him. Because mm-hmm. I feel like if, some, if it's a place where people go for comedy, they're going to look at the two, mar- you know, the two advertisements for the show and go, oh, this is obviously going to be a better stand-up show. Right. Um, but, I mean, I, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make me, I know comics get mad about it. And hate it and think it's blah blah blah. To me, that's taking this too serious. Yeah, like we're literally we're in a business that does like its its entire foundation is built on making fun of things that are taken too seriously. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I never want to be in that group. Right. Uh, good for them. They're making money. They're hustling, you know? Uh, some of them have families to feed. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. I have way more respect for the people that actually care and put time and effort into it. And uh, as long as it doesn't take money out of the pockets of a hard, you know, working full-time comic who's providing for himself or his family, you know, with that money, do what you want. Mm-hmm. Like it's the pe- like if and honestly, those comics shouldn't be mad at them. It should be mad at the people that go watch them. Yeah, those are the same people that go watch Pauly Shore's show, but Nate Bargatze. Year, you know, few just a few years ago, couldn't, you know, you know, sell out a Thursday night, right? Which is insane. Yeah. So, yep, I'm okay with whatever they want to do as long as it doesn't affect, you know, my coworkers. Um, and they, I, I appreciate when they put effort into it. Okay. The Hodge Twins are a YouTube, uh, you know, sensation that started doing that kind of stand up thing, but they put effort into it, and you could tell they wanted to learn. They asked me a thousand questions. And they still follow me on like Instagram stuff, and they'll like my stuff. Like, uh-huh. you know what I mean? A lot of those guys, you know, they'll ask you for all this advice, and then they'll follow you just because they feel like they should, mm-hmm. and then they unfollow you like two weeks later. <laughs> so or you, the next day. So the ones that don't, I'm always like, I have a little more respect for that. Yeah. Uh, Justin Wilman follows me on Twitter. He only follows about two thousand accounts. You know who he is? No. Nope. Uh, the young magician guy, who had the viral video of levitating his wife on the dance floor. Didn't see it. He's like the he's like the the like the young stud, you know, in magic. Okay. He's really good at what he does too, by the way. It's not magic you're thinking of. Like it's real fucking like you think he's I when I went up and closed out the shows when he was done, I would kinda act like I was not gonna want to shake his hand oh, and call him a I, warlock. I think I know who you're talking about. The uh, well you told me He does a thing where at the end of the show he does this whole thing with numbers and basically at the end of the trick he tells you to look down at your phone and the number that he has done through this incredible on the spot, you know, system ends up being not only the day or the month, the day, the year. It's the exact time as you look down, your phone will change to that minute. Hmm. It's, uh, it's like I said, I'd always act like I wasn't going to shake his hand when I would go up after, you know, words. And then I'd just be like, he's a warlock. <laughs> But anyways, so I'm always appreciative when guys take that, you know, take that little time to, to care enough. And then when they when they're sincere enough to also like not just follow you out of looks so that they so that, you know, they feel like somehow they've they've repaid you for basically asking them how they can keep taking more work away from you. Right. <laughs> so I think that's it. Yeah, that was good. All right, good. So uh, that was the show. Probably a fair episode to say this. If you don't, if you didn't think we were funny, just remember, comedy subjective.